San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. Joe Reinager, Jason Minix, The Blitz. It is The Blitz here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM, soon to be 103.3 FM, coming in February. He's Joe Reinagle. I'm Jason Minix. Cowboy season is over. Mike McCarthy on this morning with Rob and Rudy on R&R in the morning, owning and staying with everything that he said Sunday night. Let's talk about it. Jane Slater from the NFL Network joining us now. Before we talk Cowboys, Jane, you spent yesterday <laughs> in New Orleans with Gail Benson working on a project. What was that day like for you? I did, and I've got to tell you, for it was after Mr. Benson's death. You know, I cover the Saints uh when I'm not doing the Cowboys, so I'd say about 30% of my season. And I really wanted to do this interview with her because obviously it was in the headlines when Tom Benson, that one December before Christmas, decided that he was removing his daughter, Rita, uh, from the will. And her and her family had no claim to the Pelicans, to his trust, which is in the multi-billions. Uh, as well as the Saints. And it was just fascinating to me that this woman that he'd only been married to for, you know, 14 years is now in charge of both of these franchises. And she laid out her succession plan, which basically said, we're selling the two franchises uh, after my death. All the money is going to Catholic Charities, as well as the city of New Orleans. And I just wanted to know, who she was and it was as authentic as you can expect her faith sort of made me want to reinvest in my own um and she just was about as genuine and authentic as any person i've been around and she really does have a passion for these two teams and i had reached out to a bunch of people before of it and said you know on the record off the record what's your impression of gail and i had one person say a month into marrying uh, Tom, she wanted to walk into one of their offices and understand the business of football. And so a lot of people around there thought that she was honestly the best person for the job. And I really think that she's, as many people have described to me, she brought a lightness and Tom Pinson often brought a darkness. Uh, but a lot of people think she's doing a pretty good job in New Orleans. And after a day with her, I got to tell you, I felt the same. Her personal life, though, before she met Tom Benson, was probably even more fascinating. She was married at 19, divorced by 20, couldn't have children, moved back in with her family at 29, married again uh, in her 30s because she had fallen in love with the kids. That She stayed in the marriage because the kids divorced him after that and was happily single for, you know, 20 years. And she met Mr. Benson while she was at church, and it was on the anniversary of his second wife, Grace's death. And she was initially not into him. And four months into their courtship, you know, he was ready to marry her and told a great story about how Barbara Bush had come on the boat and asked her where her room is. And she says, oh, it's downstairs. And she said, you don't sleep in the room with him. She goes, not till I get a ring on my finger. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there were just some really great moments. The problem is, you know, we spent the entire afternoon with her and she's also investing in a lot of minority and women-owned businesses, she says it's not because she chooses women or minorities. They've just honestly come to her with some really great business plans. And one is Hamper, 
which for $39 a year, $10, um, you know, a, a hamper, people come to your house, they have washers, kind of like Uber, they do your laundry, fold it and bring it back to you. Uh, and this, this company is, their ROI is 500% already. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I was, we went down there, we interviewed them. So it's, you know, it's, it's just hard to say what all is going to end up in this piece when we're done with it. It's only a 12 minute piece on NFL network in February, but I walked away really, really impressed there. And I could honestly do this whole radio show about it, but I know you've got a lot of Cowboys fans. <laughs> oh, we we, we, we do. And, and, and Jane, as you talk about, honestly in good hands, when you, when you talk about after her death, the money and where it's going. I know there's a lot of people listening right now hoping a lot of that money or some of that money ends up back in San Antonio. I don't know how much you know about, you know, the Benson ties to San Antonio or like when the University of Incarnate Word starting their football yep. program, Tom Benson basically gave them a blank check and the stadium is named Gail and Tom Benson Stadium, Central Catholic High School here uh, for all yep. the dollarships. And, you know, when the Saints moved, uh, spent uh, Katrina time in San Antonio, the a lot of us at the time thought that the Saints actually would permanently move to San Antonio. Well, the succession plan puts in place that it cannot leave New Orleans. Um, they're going to sell it, but the contingency is that it doesn't leave New Orleans. She feels it's important for it to stay there. But they are donating a lot of money. I believe one of the you know the Catholic churches there is getting a bunch of the money. Um, but she's an Algiers, Louisiana girl, um, and just feels like this team, this franchise, and this money can do so much for the city of New Orleans. And so, you know, I think she's the type that will be canonized <laughs> by the city of New Orleans, which she's done. But, we, you know, it was, I, I didn't know what to expect, you know, because you see her with the, you know, the beautiful outfits. And, you know, again, we could talk about her for hours, but this is a woman who used to sew her own clothes and now gets invited to, you know, Chanel Trump shows in Paris. And she's very humble you know, she knows what it's, we really bonded over the fact that she used to flip houses in her 20s. And now that I'm doing it myself, Jason, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of respect for her, especially doing it back then. Well, Jane, I can't wait to see that. And you say in February on the NFL Network? Yes. So uh, I will definitely let you guys know when that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a really good piece. I, th I, I, I really hope I demystify her uh, because I was sort of mystified by her for a while, and we just we had a really good day. Well, I look forward to see how that story turns out, Jane, but I also look forward to seeing how the cowboy story <laughs> turns out because yeah. right now it seems like uh, there's a lot of chapters that need to be written. What, what's the vibe going on right now? I mean, obviously a, a lot of disappointment, but it seems like there's a lot of work to do to get that franchise back to uh, getting past the first round. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the thing that I, that when I look at this team and, you know, I've covered them, you know, 2004, again, you know, 2010 to 15, and then, you know, again, or 2014, then again, 2016 to now with the NFL Network, I've listened to a lot of Jerry, you know, and he didn't do his radio show this week with the fan because it's my understanding John Madden's funeral was in San Francisco yesterday. So Jerry and, and, of course, the Cowboys uh, brass were all there for that. But Jerry could also find his way to a phone, guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I remember that, you know, we kind of saw some of this when they were kind of on the sense of Mike Nolan and Jim Tom Sula, and again with Jason Garrett. Jerry takes some days to sort of chew on things. And when he said after the game he couldn't remember a time he was more disappointed, guys, he was beside himself. When Jason Garrett and these Cowboys lost in the playoffs to the Rams, 
inconsolable because he felt like they had the personnel and weren't able to get the job done. And he once again said, we've got the personnel. We should be getting this done. And the fact that Mike felt like he kept selling himself today, or was it yesterday, kept selling himself, I can win championships, I know how to do this. I thought that was interesting. And I just think you have to ask yourself, I know that Stephen loves Mike McCarthy. I mean, he tells me that every time I see him. A gentle reminder, Jane, Mike's our guy. And Jerry has said it to me. But I know that Jerry has talked about in recent years the window's closing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't have time to have a bad time. That was a bad time. I, could, I was there at the game, the atmosphere, the letdown, to have the number one ranked offense in the league all year and to have that sort of subpar performance in front of a team that squeaked into the playoffs, uh, a team that didn't have Nick Bosa or Fred Warner in the fourth quarter, it was curious to me. And, in fact, my colleagues said, why would you run a quarterback draw with 14 seconds to go? Everyone knows you don't do that. And so if you brought Mike McCarthy in, and, and he's the one that when I asked earlier this year, you know, why is Kellen calling the plays? Well, he said, if you call it, you install it. But if that offense felt like it was off in recent weeks, or especially at the half, why are you not grabbing the call sheet and saying, I've got this? Just like last year, my argument was, why weren't you more involved in the defense? And so I feel like it's, you know, now a second year, you can sort of say, well, I wasn't calling it, or that wasn't my responsibility. My responsibility was in-game management, getting these players ready for the game. Well, he failed at that too. Because <laughs> the did. players weren't ready. I mean, to admit and say that the guys were nervous or had anxiety ahead of this game, if for me, and I don't know about you guys, when I'm prepared for something, I'm not anxious. I'm prepared. And there are plenty of game days where I, I've gone on and I've covered two teams that I'm not used to. And so, or if it's an AFC team and I'm not really focused on them as much, I'm nervous when I haven't done my work, when I'm not prepared. I'm confident when I've had the preparation. And so for me, if that's the one thing you keep telling us you hang your hat on, you failed too. And so I think Jerry is taking all of that in. And I think the next question you have to ask yourself is, can this team be good without Dan Quinn? Because you're probably going to lose him here. Head coach jobs don't come around all the time. And there are plenty of coaches who've, chosen not to take that job and stay for the money and have regretted it when I've talked to them about it. And so I think that's the next question Jerry has to ask himself. Does Joe Witt, who, you know, is sort of poised to take that DC position if, if Dan Quinn leaves, do you have confidence in him? If Kellen Moore leaves, do you have confidence in Ben McAdoo? Or do you roll the dice and you offer Dan Quinn this head coaching job? And so I think there's a lot of questions to be answered. And if anyone tells you they know, I will tell you, I've done a lot of checking around, and it doesn't seem like the people that are in the know know anything right now either. And this was not too dissimilar from how it felt with Jason Garrett and some of those things. And I'm not sitting here saying that anything's going to happen, but I find some of it a little interesting. Jane Slater from the NFL Network joining us here on The Blitz. And I agree. At this point, and after two years, I would be surprised if Mike McCarthy got fired, although on Monday show, I'm ready for him to go because normally two years isn't enough mm-hmm. time. And I'm guilty of saying you got to give these coaches time, like Brian Flores in Miami. He's, he didn't have enough time. Uh, but when you take over a stacked roster 
you've got to produce more. And Jerry has told us to, he told me in Oxnard when he was on, he knows that he's running out of time to win another Super Bowl. He's not going to be as patient with Mike McCarthy as he was with Jason Garrett. So, Jane, I'll ask you, as Dan Quinn is interviewing for all these head coaching jobs, do you think, or would you put it past Jerry to say, Dan, before you say yes to anybody, come see me before you take one of those jobs? Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> but I do think that there's going to be a little bit of an internal struggle in here, you know, and, and we've seen that in recent years. But I always kind of joke it feels like succession sometimes where Kendall Roy, I don't know if anyone watches this Oh, show, yeah, it's a great show. Kendall Roy's ready to take over, and his dad's essentially like, as long as there's breath in this body, I'm doing it my way. And it's, you know, again, I'll be, I'll be interested to see if anything happens. Now, I was told internally by someone that I trust, that they're not making a move. Mike's their guy, and they're they're moving forward. But I just think you have to ask yourself if you're Jerry. You did something you don't typically do last year when you only gave your DC one year, and then you let him go. And then look how well you did by making that bold change. And everyone says, "Well, Mike is he went twelve and five. He went twelve and five against some pretty terrible teams this year. I mean, the NFC East." Mm-hmm. was a dumpster fire. You swept the entire NFC East because they were that bad. Let's not kid ourselves. And went 6-5 and, and five against everybody fought. else. Right, and then the teams that you faced, you were, you were dodging a, a lot of, like, I mean, you played the Patriots uh, without a Tom Brady, with a Mac Jones that was still struggling. I mean, this wasn't the Mac Jones we saw in recent weeks. Um, when you played the Cardinals, the Cardinals didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, and you still lost that one. And then I just I look at some of these other games that they played this year. I'm like, man, they they dodged this bullet, they dodged that bullet. And so I don't I don't know. And I think Troy Aitman really summed it up best. You might have been 12 and five, but you're judged by how you do in the postseason. And this is what their seventh one and done in 11 seasons, 11 playoff appearances. So I I don't I don't know. They just didn't feel disciplined. I mean, even when they had the fake punt. The fact that they had a player running out on the field. That was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, you know, the fact that you, you literally don't know, that you say you practice it, and yet you've got the ball there, you don't hand it to an official to touch before you try and snap it, that's bad. You say you study that. And then I told you, it was curious to me, that before the Denver game uh, against the Broncos, they spent so much time on penalties, and they were still the most heavily penalized yep. <laughs> team during the regular season, and then had 14 penalties in the postseason. And so I, I don't know. I just I, I've seen other teams, and when we saw Arizona do it, Denver, they, they don't give their coaches a lot of slack, you know. Um, and Arizona didn't give their coach a lot of slack. He only got what one year, and then they hired Cliff Kingsbury. And say what you will about Cliff. But at least he got you also into the postseason. Um, I don't know. But so. Jane, Jane, here's the here's the problem though. The way I see it, I mean, it, you replace McCarthy, say, and say it's Dan Quinn. That defense looks like it's in pretty good shape. You know, maybe yeah. some pieces here and there. My concern now is for that offense. That offensive line is not the same offensive line that it was two, three, four years ago. You've got to start making some moves there. You get Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not sure that he's the same player that he was two or three years ago. And and Amari Cooper, who knows if he stays or goes. There's been some trade rumors out there about him. So it's almost like that offense is going to need to retool a little bit. And can they do that? whether it's Mike McCarthy or somebody else. 
And you brought Mike McCarthy in because he's an offensive guru. You have Ben McAdoo in the building. You've got Doug Nuss. I mean, how how is it that you – and again, we're talking about an offense that led the league in so many categories, right? The problem is they just couldn't put it all together. And so I, if I'm Jerry, I'm like – it's almost like the analogy I would say is like this house. Right when I think that I've got something fixed, guys, something else is breaking. <laughs> and I'm like, gosh. Uh, so I would imagine that's how Jerry feels. For those that don't know, Jane just bought herself her first house. She's adulting guys, now. And she's I realizing condo happen. life wasn't so bad. But it will, be, it will be good when it's all done, Jane. I promise. Guys, I had to tell you a funny story. So I've got a whole bunch of contractors here today. And so there's why, that's why there's a hollowness in the living room. And I bring this air conditioning guy. He's kind of a good old boy. And he puts in this air conditioning unit upstairs. And then I've got another contractor here, great guy, who's been helping me build closets and paint and, and all of that stuff. And so they had had a bit of a dispute over the amps that you need in the wiring. And this electrician <laughs> is claiming that he only needs 20 amps. My guy, who also is an electrician, saying, saying you need 30 amps. And again, I'm learning all of this on the fly. I mean, this is like speaking Mandarin, right? Mm-hmm. And so I challenged the electrician, older gentleman, good old boy, and he comes in here and charges up my contractor. And I literally bowing up to him. I mean, I've almost got a fight on my hands. And I'm sitting here going, gentlemen, I appreciate you looking out for me. I need you to calm down a bit. I just want to make sure it's done right. You know, like, this isn't a challenge of your expertise. And, this, you know, the one contractor saying, I'm just looking out for my girl here. And this other guy goes, where's your license? Oh, you don't have a license. You don't know what you're talking about. So all afternoon, I'm dealing with these two guys going back and forth. And I don't know who's right. I'm like, just. Somebody do that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know who's right in that situation, but if 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 one says you need twenty, one says thirty. I'm going with thirty, and we're talking about electricity, extra thinking. ampage. That's it can't be a bad thing, right? I, I, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, it, it can it get twenty five amps? <laughs> yeah, can we split this in, in the middle, middle here? Uh, yeah, so it's just one thing after another, folks. So what? now that I'm trying to put the pieces. Uh, of a puzzle together, I can only imagine what it's like to own and run a franchise and be as invested as someone like Jerry Jones is. I mean, he genuinely cares. You know, in contrast, talking to Gail, you know, Benson, what I loved about her, she said, I don't make emotional decisions. She says, you know, I like to take some time, be patient, and as long as my people are putting in the work and doing their best and putting in their effort, I respect that. You know, sometimes the ball doesn't go your way. I don't feel like Jerry's necessarily like that. In other words, I think Jerry can be very emotional. And so right now I think he's trying to be unemotional, give it a few days, and maybe that's why he didn't go on the radio. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when he finally does talk. Jane Slater from the NFL <clears throat> Network. Are you are you off to Green Bay or anywhere fun this weekend? I am not. Thankfully, I'm going to be fully focused on continuing to get this house in order. Mm-hmm. Hopefully next week I'm moving. And then um, – TVD about a Super Bowl assignment and then combine. So those will be my next. And then God forbid that there is a coaching change. Then I would be very, very busy, but I don't see it. I honestly don't see them making a coaching change, but I do believe if they keep Mike around, I think it's a no-brainer. He's got one more year. Um, he will be on the hot seat. Yeah, it'll ne- be an interesting season if that happens for week, sure. We'll talk about championship games and uh, off-season needs personnel-wise for the Cowboys. Jane, get back to work on the house, man. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
guys. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Jane Slater from the NFL Network. Always fantastic. She's the MVP for today, having to deal with a couple of contractors, <laughs> then coming on with us. Yeah. I mean, she, that's, uh, woo, that's double duty today.